1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs, it's right around the corner, and BetOnline has got you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and also, it's free to sign up. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website right now, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is only at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you so much for coming into the pod today. I got a very special guest here. He is the host of Inside the Golden Dome. It is a Notre Dame Irish, all Irish podcast. His name is Brigham Avery. Fellow Chicagoan, Brigham, thank you so much for coming to the pod. How are you?
0: Joey, it's great to talk to you today from fabulous Las Vegas, Inside the sports book. That is the Bellagio. How are you, sir? Great to hear your voice. Great to see you.
1: Yeah, I'm doing great, man. I want to get a little bit into your backstory, but first, real quick, you know, it just sort of feels like we're getting really close to, you know, sports coming back in the next couple of I love of it. Days. Yes. You know, we're going to get 60% capacity in White Sox and Cubs games. You're at the Bellagio in Vegas right now. Maybe you're dropping a dime on something that you like. It just feels like sports is coming back.
0: Absolutely it is. And, and, and what a feeling, as they quoted the, as, as they said in the song, Flashdance, what a feeling, uh, because it's great to be back. It's great to watch this this renaissance of life and sports, come back, all the stadiums being filled again, the chatter, the love, the flavor, the essence. I can't wait, Joey. So I, it certainly is, is, feeling it in the air and a lot going on. And uh, we're both from Chicago. I'm so glad we're talking. Great to have a Windy City guy, uh, you know, talking to a Windy City guy and um, absolutely wonderful to be here, sir. So yes, sports is back in full flavor.
1: Yeah, so walk our listeners through. Our our listeners really enjoy just hearing the backstory of a lot of different people, where they came from. Obviously, just tell people where you're from in the Chicagoland area, your passion for sports, and just how it kind of got you involved with Inside the Golden Dome.
0: Absolutely, yes. So I'm from Oak Park originally, and uh, I have lived all over North America, but very much a Chicago guy. My godfather grew up with my father in Westchester. They both went to St. Joseph's University, Isaiah Thomas alumni. His name is Joe Piani, and he was the track coach at Notre Dame for longer than anybody else in the history of the athletic department uh, besides the, the baseball coach. So he was there for years. He coached Tim Brown. He coached the Rockets. And I was in that era around Notre Dame in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, yeah, So Joe Piani was the track coach there, and he, he introduced me to Lou Holtz and Digger Phelps and the whole beautiful lifestyle that is Notre Dame football. And uh, being from Chicago, it's it's very easy to catch on because there's 35,000 other people that went to Notre Dame that live in Chicago. so.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And so wait, what was the Rick Meyer experience like for you, especially when you eventually came over the bears and everything? So
0: I will tell you what's so funny about that is they have a, they have a, for the first snowfall every year in South Bend, they have a snowball fight on North campus versus South campus. So when I I was a youth, I was there visiting and I actually ended up in Rick Meyer's room. Like he was, he was boarding his room because his room got pelted from snowballs. That was uh, his freshman year. That's when he was the number one uh, recruited quarterback in the country. So Meeting Rick Meyer was, was amazing. I'll tell you the real flavor. It was Chris Zorch. He's a dear friend of mine. And it's a real honor and a pleasure knowing Chris Zorch. He was a Notre Dame guy, as you know, Brian Piccolo award winner with the Bears and uh, pro all pro defensive guy with the Bears. One of the uh, enshrined in the, in the greatest NFL pictures of all time uh, in 1993, Chris Zorch. So yes, Zorch also, as well as Rick Meyer, a big thrill to know as a Notre Dame Chicago Bear dual threat.
1: Yeah, that's an ex-Bear of my youth, you know, a veteran veteran stalwart of of a Bears team. And so just walk our listeners through a little bit inside the Golden Dome. You know, you guys get amazing guests. It's not just Chris Zorich, it's Joe Thyman, it's Tim Brown. Just talk about the impetus for starting that podcast and just to walk through of like, you know, what you guys like to get into with some of these ex-Irish greats.
0: Well, it makes me so proud that you, that you bring that up and recognize that living in Southern California now working in entertainment, uh, the reality is, is that there's a huge Notre Dame population and fan base and alumni association here because Joey have something called the Trinity League and the Trinity League is modern day, St. John Bosco, all the big Catholic high schools. And so there's been a big pipeline from those high schools to Notre Dame and to USC, starting with, um, oh my gosh, the guy, he uh, Jack Snow, who played at St. Anthony's in Long Beach was part of the 1964 Notre Dame team, so there's kind of an established pipeline from Southern California to Notre Dame. And I started my show in 2018 because the the Angels Flagship Station KLAA is the Notre Dame affiliate in Southern California. And Justin Utupa, who played at Notre Dame, was a good friend of mine. And I said, let's start this show. And then I got connected to another guy, Joey, and his name is Matt Sosha. And Matt Sosha, you might recognize the last name. He's son of Mike Sosha and Matt played baseball at Notre Dame. So the three of us started our show and with the content and with the people that we know from Notre Dame and Mike Sosha coming on a lot and being on the flagship home of the angels, when Mike Sosha happened to be manager of the angels was a really helpful reality as far as getting guests, advertisers and making great content because the people we brought on and, uh, and obviously the first year, 2018 Notre Dame went undefeated, went out of the playoffs against Clemson 2020 last year undefeated as well. So it's been a good run for the Irish and for our show over the past three years. So that's kind of how it came to be and was put into place with the names we have and the people we know and uh, being here in Southern California.
1: So, yeah. Yeah, great guests. Everyone seems to be super happy on there. It's for diehard Irish fans. And, you know, there's some humor involved in there too as well, which is always kind of a nice little added bonus. I do want to ask you, help uh, fill me in with where are you at right now with the Notre Dame Irish football program? Obviously, in Chicago, you know, we hear a lot about Ian Book throughout this draft process of we got to give Ian Book a chance. And it just sort of seems like the curse of the Irish quarterback continues a little bit. What do you think about Ian Book's NFL prospects? And what do you think of their their current program at Notre Dame right now?
0: I I will say this. Um, I do feel as though Ian Book probably made the right decision and not coming back for a sixth season at Notre Dame because I feel as though that might have been overdone. And, And I feel as though he kind of did all he could at Notre Dame. I think Ian Book is great for the Canadian Football League. It's going to be interesting to see what he will do in the NFL. Specifically, I think he can run. I think he's got the ability to read defenses. I just feel as though the size of his his physical stature and some of those other things might not be the perfect advantage the way it would be for Trevor Lawrence, the way it might be for the guy the Bears just got, um, so on and so forth. So (laughs) I I think he did all he could. I I think what's amazing about Notre Dame coming into this year is the fact that they have a new defensive coordinator, Freeman from Cincinnati, uh, and they have a, a, a transfer from Wisconsin. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the defense progresses and really what they did uh, off of coming off last year. I mean, you're right to say that Joey, there is a Notre Dame quarterback jinx in a lot of essences, but I feel as though a lot of demons were exercised pastor, if you don't by the win against Clemson last year and that big comeback victory in overtime. So I feel as though he was able to make a lot happen with that and and get rid of those. So I feel as though the program is going upwards. And I will say this, I'm going to drop the name of another famous Chicagoan. his name is George Wentz. And he that was Norm from Cheers. And he said the big thing. He actually went to Notre Dame for a while. And George said the big thing he took away from the Alabama loss in uh, this year in the playoffs is 31. So Notre Dame scored 41. They gave up 31 points. If they were to score another touchdown, it's 31-21. They have a fighting chance. A lot of people are saying that's the best fight Alabama had from anybody last year as far as competition. Certainly better than the Ohio State champion uh, game. uh, championship game specifically though i feel as though notre dame is growing as a program and i look at brian kelly the way he's developed the essence of recruiting the essence of defense the essence of playing well at home and using that that uh, real home field advantage i kind of see brian kelly growing kind of the way jim leland grew as a baseball manager jim leland won three division titles to the pirates in the early 90s and then it took him some time but he, he, he finally won a world series with the florida marlins in 1997 so i feel as though brian kelly is growing and, and he's making progress it's just going to take a little bit of time. But I do feel as though he's the guy to get Notre Dame to win a national championship. He's a couple players away, but I feel the growth is certainly they've been trending upward for the past five or six years. And he's got them on their way.
1: I was just about to bring up Brian Kelly, too, because it's an interesting coach. Right. I mean, he was hired with such fanfare. I feel like he's kind of maybe gone through what, like three eras. If you could kind of maybe say like. You know, Absolutely. And now he's kind of really settling in and he is kind of becoming like Papa Brian Kelly a little bit, where, like, his word his word is scripture, and it just sort of seems like his program works and it continues to churn out, you know, great season after great season. And, you know, there was a time when there was kind of like, oh, could he win the big game? Obviously, going to the national championship kind of helps that out, or oh, whatever, what, four or five years ago. And it just seems like, yeah, they're on the right path. I guess my question just is, like, yeah, will will there ever be a big time quarterback again at Notre Dame, or is this the, that just not the, what the program's kind of catered around? And then that's okay. I I, I do think
0: there is just because of the way that recruiting works, and because you just need one guy, and they're always, uh, you know, specifically looking at. Look at Carson Wentz was North North Dakota State, you know. So I mean, I feel as though any program I can have a, a great time. quarterback.
1: Yeah, guys. Was that now? guys transfer all the time too as well. Exactly. So yes. The out. transfer
0: portal. So uh, that they could get anyone. And here's what I do feel. I feel as though people watching Notre Dame nationally, a lot of kids, as far as recruiting, the way that they recruit in the SEC is all these kids grow up watching SEC football. They live in the area and they become fans of it and they want to participate in it. Notre Dame watching nationally, all of these quote unquote, if you, the Catholic network that is watching Notre Dame over these past five or six years, there's a lot of kids in Southern California in these great successful football states that want to become part of that program, that want to go to Notre Dame, that actually want to quote unquote exercise the demon of getting Notre Dame back and being an actual champion again. So there's a lot of guys out there that want to be the next Joe Montana, that want to be the next Rick Meyer, that want to be the next Tony Rice, whatever that might be. So I feel as though that is growing momentum wise within the recruiting annals within the, the, the young high school football players across the country. So specifically that that's kind of where I see. So yes, that, that is, it's, it's easier to get than We think, but it's a lot harder than we think as well to get that, that quarterback. It's just a it's um, it's a, it's a mission, my friend. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, we're not going to get into Brady Quinn on this one, but let's keep it collegiate. Let's keep it in the Midwest. I just want to get your take on Justin Fields. I mean, who doesn't have an opinion right now on Justin Fields going to the bears, you know, just kind of take us through your emotions of when you saw that come down the pipe and saw that happen, and and do you think he's going to find success in Chicago?
0: I, I do, and I, I think Justin Fields. What he really did is he saved the job of Ryan Pace, the GM, yeah. and he probably saved Matt Nagy's job because unfortunately, what's really happened this year is that they uh, and and Mitch Trubisky is a unique case. And now he's gone. Now he's with Buffalo. Uh, my pick is for Buffalo to win the Super Bowl this year. But we're going to get back to the Bears in a second. But I, I do feel as though Mitch Trubisky was a, a lot. He was pretty talented. But they really didn't – I'm talking about Matt Nagy didn't really want to work with him, didn't put the time in because Matt Nagy was pining for some quarterback named Patrick Mahomes who was in Kansas City. And I really feel as though they didn't give him uh, a lot of opportunities. But They didn't fill the offensive line for for him. And I I do feel, however, though Josh uh, Fields could be a lot better specifically because he's a dual threat because he can run and he can throw. And I think with all of the kind of drama going on with the Green Bay Packers, with Aaron Rodgers right now and the other teams, Detroit, Minnesota in that division not really being world beaters you know Matt Stafford just left we'll see how Jared Goff does so on and so forth but I feel as though that division is the Bears to be taken because of the defensive talent they have with Khalil Mack and the other players they have specifically but I I feel as though the time it, it could be because we can see how fast Justin Fields could develop we saw how well he played in spurts against Alabama and certainly in the 2020 season for Ohio State so I feel as though he it's going to be very good and I feel it's going to be better before I feel as though week four week five we're going to see Justin Fields and um, it's nice to have Andy Dalton in there too to kind of help that but I, I do feel as though this is Justin Fields year to be a Bears quarterback because of the pressure on Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and also because he's that good and that talented and that dual threat so we'll see but I'm I have great expectations and looking forward to the fall in Chicago at Soldier Field with Josh Fields under center for the Bears
1: yeah, it's suddenly a really exciting time. It's funny what you brought up with Matt Nagy, where it is so very true, right, where it's almost like the kid that, like, went off to college and was still thinking about his high school girlfriend or something, you know, like. we Absolutely. His and now he's got, like, he. oh, Patrick Mahomes, remember? It was like, no, man, you got to live in the now a little bit. Absolutely. He always kept trying. It's to- like making, it's like that, that. Oh, no, go for it.
0: Oh yeah, it's like that. The, the the first album you make as a band is a great album. That would be 2018 for the Bears. The Bears 2018, they should have won the Super Bowl. And I'll tell you what. The other thing that Mitch Trubisky doesn't get enough credit credit for is that 2018 victory or that loss, excuse me, the double joint loss to the Eagles, because he put them in position to win. Yeah. And that was the defending world champions at the time were the Eagles. So Mitch Trubisky, for as much criticism as he's got, he's been eight and eight the past two years and 12 and four as a as a start in 2018. So I feel as though that 2018 season. Matt Nagy got caught up in that and still has that taste in his mouth. And I think that victory really put the bears back a lot further than people or that loss put the bears back a lot further than we thought against the Eagles. You're so it such a great
1: work. point, man, because, you know, think about the, the sliding doors of it all or the revolving doors. Of Absolutely. It. Trubisky leads them the down. Ripple the effect. Yeah. The ripple effect. You know, We would have been singing Trubisky's praises that next day. And I also remember if we go back to that Cutler game when Aaron Rodgers threw it to Randall Cobb with just seconds to play to beat us out of the division. Absolutely. Cutler actually let us on a drive to put us in the fourth quarter. And that, in theory, would have been the Jay Cutler game. It's pretty crazy how that stuff happens.
0: Absolutely. It's one play, my friend. One play can, can make or break. So that's what's so great about sports is just how precious momentum is. The momentum is so precious that you can take it and it can change the dynamic of who you are. What your season is and who you are as far as a Hall of Fame quarterback or someone that's very pedestrian. So it, it is it is just amazing. And how how about the um, the momentum of the White Sox right now? Boy, I think they're losing today, but unbelievable, the best team in baseball and, and the Cubs too. Also a very interesting story. I don't know if you. Pardon me for segueing there, but, uh, you know, uh, if, if you okay. wanted to, to talk a little baseball, I'm a, a huge Cub fan. It's interesting to see what's going on. But um, the White Sox also in uh, in first place. So
1: yeah, White Sox, for- White Sox are playing great right now. And obviously they're they're making do with what they have, which is just so interesting. Sometimes when you lose so many guys to injury, you take that step back or the air comes yeah. out. The they're still pushing. I want to get your take a little bit on, on what's going on with the Cubs right now, because it, I think it's fair to say that it's a bit of an INC, right? It's a bit of an incomplete. They're playing about 500. I can't get my handle on this team. What's your handle on where this team, this Cubs team is right I will
0: tell you this, sir, Chris, what a brilliant question you asked. And here is the whole essence of the Cubs. Whenever they have been good and we can take a look at 1984 with Bobby De Nier. we can take a look at 1989 with Jerome Walton. We can take a look at 2003 with Corey Patterson. And then we brought in Kenny Lofton. We can take a look mm. at 2016 with some guy named Dexter Fowler. Yes. The Cubs need a quality, legitimate leadoff guy. And I'll tell you what, The wind only blows out of Wrigley Field 25 to 30 games out of the year. All these boppers we got, like keeping Schwarber around, I don't know why we kept Schwarber and didn't keep Dexter Fowler. I feel the essence of the Cubs, where the incomplete is, is that they need speed, especially at the top of the lineup. They need speed up the middle, and they need a legitimate leadoff guy. And every time they've had a legitimate leadoff guy, if you look at that variable throughout the history of success with the Cubs, that has been the variable is the leadoff guy, a legitimate leadoff guy. So I feel as though not having Dexter Fowler has really affected the Cubs since 2016. I don't think Ian Happ is the answer. I don't think Jack Peterson is the answer. And here's the real problem, Joey. The rest of the lineup with Baez and Rizzo and Bryant, those are great guys. Those those, those guys can hit. They can drive and run. But they need guys on base. They need guys. What Dexter Fowler did is he made the pitcher show his wares. He would foul off seven or eight pitches. It would be a 16-pitch at bat for Dexter Fowler continuously. And that's the essence. That's the strength. That's what he brought to the Cubs and his great defense and great leadership. So as the leadoff position goes for the Chicago Cubs, my dear friend, so go the Cubs as a roster. So I feel that's the essence of the incomplete and it's great. I will say it's great to have Jake Gary at a back at a back at 35. He was the guy I, I was also on the pitching side. I couldn't believe they got rid of him after the 2016 season, him and Fowler. So I feel a lot of the incomplete is, is, is due to those two missing factors. And I'm so glad we have Jake Arrieta back, but we need a legitimate leadoff guy like a Bobby Junior, De a Dexter Fowler, a Jerome Walton, someone of that essence.
1: Could it be a Nico Horner? Now, look, I know he doesn't work. Account- I heard he more you want Fowler, but you know, he is a little bit that Ryan Terrio a little bit. We're just seeing ball yeah. hit ball, get on base. Can Nico Horner be that guy?
0: You know, I think potentially he could. It's going to be interesting to see he's coming back now. He was so hot before, but I feel, I still feel that the jury's out, but we're going to take a look and we're going to see. It's going to be interesting. So, but, um, you know, It's still only May. So I feel as though that's very much a jury still out kind of response you're going to get. But, but yes, I, I do think he's got potential, uh, but it's unknown.
1: Yeah, no. and, and you're bringing up a really great point, And it's hopefully something they can figure out because you have to believe once June comes around, this is when Rizzo starts getting hot. You got to yep. think Bobby eventually is going to start hitting these fastballs at some point. And then you got Willie and KB off to pretty, KB's off to a great start. Willie's off to a pretty decent start. And it just is that, you know, it's what is it about the Major League Baseball season, right? Where it really kind of comes down to what, maybe four or five stretches of baseball, four or five hot streaks. You know, you could, got play it, buddy. 500, yep. 500 the whole way. But what, you can't lose nine games in a row in September like they did in 2019 that cost Joe Madden his job. And also you have to be able to kind of string together seven or eight and nine wins in a row. And can the Cubs team have those extended hot streaks? You know, they won five in a row, then lost three in a row. You know, what kind of are they, are they capable of putting together that kind of a streak?
0: I don't think they can consistently without a good leadoff hitter. So I think the answer to that is somebody that can get on base and get that, get that batting order going, get them hitting, get them in rhythm. So it, it, I I think that they beat the Dodgers three in a row. That was nice. I feel as though uh, it's going to be hard for them to do that consistently this is really a 500 team without a very good leadoff hitter. And that, that's unfortunate because those guys, you need the, the stir at the top of the lineup to get things going in we uh, We'll see about Nico Horner, but specifically, um, I, I don't see them doing that without a very good leadoff guy. And I feel what you were going to say is so brilliant a second ago, Joey, I'm not just saying this because it's your show and I'm your guest, but it's the 50 unknown brother, the 50 games unknown. You know, you're going to win 50 throughout the course of a major league season, you know, you're going to lose 50 throughout the course of a major league season. It's the 50 games that you do with that are unknown. And that's when you look at when the Cubs have been good. In 1984, they won 35 of those 50 games. In 1989, they won 40 of those 50 games. 2003, again, a great percentage of wins out of the 50 games. So it's what they do with the unknown 50 that makes or breaks the season.
1: So this is a a common topic, a popular one, but I want to ask you, because I'm loving your perspectives right now, let's just say they stay at 500 right and we start getting right. mid-july late july what is your stance on the buying selling mentality of you know some people want us to trade you know, kb kimbrell davies whoever we can you know restock or are you kind of the guy also that says that this team can still make a run with some veteran grit they, stay, they can <laughs> they just they just
0: need to make some good acquisitions so i hope they are in a five or six games above the 500 mark come the July 31st trading deadline because I'd like to see them get uh, a leadoff guy kind of the way they did when Jerome uh, – I'm sorry, when Corey Patterson went down, Joey, in oh, June man. of 2003, they so brought fun. in Kenny Lofton at the trade deadline. They they fleeced the Pirates. That's what Jim Hendry was great at. Wasn't he fleecing the Pirates, taking all their talent? Randall Simon, Kenny Lofton. So he man. got them all, and yeah. that was the biggest acquisition of 2003 was Kenny Lofton. So hopefully they can do that again in Britoing bring in a legitimate leadoff guy that's going to steal bases and work the count and get on base and and yada yada. So yes, I I feel hopefully they are close enough because I I don't want to get rid of this team. And I got to tell you something about Chris Bryant. I love Chris Bryant, but could it be Joey, and this is totally okay. This is baseball realism. This is honesty. Could it be Joey that maybe just maybe Chris Bryant is not Wade Boggs. Maybe he's Scott Rowland and that's just fine. You know, he's very he's a pretty good defensive player. He hits 285, 30 home runs, but he's not Wade Box, you know, and that's what everybody thought he was. He was Roy Hobbs, Roy Hobbs of Wrigley, the natural. And maybe he's just not that good. And you know what? That's okay. True, false.
1: That's okay, But honestly, that is the wrench, in my opinion, in terms of his future with the Chicago Cubs. There's the wrench right where, you know, we can draw an easy comparison right now to Laurie Markin on the Chicago Bulls. He's not worth $80 million. You'd like to keep Lori for 40 or 50 million, but he's not worth 80. So what exactly happens after that? The same thing with Chris Bryant right now is, man, I'd love to have Chris Bryant on my team for, for many, many years, to come, you know, over and over and over again. But you know, is he worth that one fifty? is Chris Bryant worth $180 million to you?
0: I will say this brother. I'm a big believer in looking at the reality of the resume. And I will say that You've gotten a lot out of Chris Bryant from 2016, specifically against the Dodgers and specifically against the Indians in the World Series. Chris Bryant turned the momentum of the Cubs' bats around in that 2016 series when he hit the home run to tie the game against the Indians. He had a big home run in game six. He hit a sacrifice fly in extra innings. So I feel as though his past work, his resume of reality is what makes him worth that because, again, the resume of reality is what franchise are we looking at? We're looking at the Cubs, who at the time hadn't won a World Series in 108 years. So do I feel you got the bang for your buck in this one specific unique case? Acts a goddamn lootly yes, Joey, you did. So, And I feel he should be rewarded for that. But that is a rare, unique caveat of a case, my friend, because we're talking about the Cubs. We're not talking about practice, Iverson. We're talking about the Cubs. And we're talking about 2016 and then breaking the curse with Chris Bryant as a vital, critical part.
1: Got just a couple more for you, Brigham Avery, uh, host of Inside the Golden Dome and Notre Dame Irish podcast, fantastic podcast. Uh, just kind of go off the board real quick. Where are you with the Chicago Bulls or the Blackhawks? You know, which one was, are you following either of them? Which one was a surprise? Yeah, you huge, like huge the- of both,
0: man. I will tell you this what seems so sad, Joy, and what is crazy for the Blackhawks is the apparent and the magical sludge on the skates that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and all the Duncan Keith, all those guys had. And I, I feel as though it was kind of a – I'm not saying they're mental midgets, but after losing in 2017 to Nashville the way they did, they, they didn't win a single game, and they'd won the President's Trophy in 2017 after winning three Stanley Cups, one coming two years before. They look like they're ready for another one. They absolutely go in the doghouse offensively against Nashville, and they never actually recovered from that. So I was just surprised to see that happen to that team. As far as the young players they have, I, I, th- I think they've got some talent. I think it's going to be hard. I think Coach Q leaving – difficult but probably he had maxed out everything you had gotten what you were going to get from him he had maxed out everything he showed you his wares but I just feel as though all the sludge the sudden sludge on the skates from my Blackhawks after that 2015 exciting victory against Tampa Bay after the overtime victory or the 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 two goals in 26 seconds against Boston in 2013 I'm just so surprised that that team that roster that locker room that they called the most resilient in the NHL didn't have enough heart to come back after losing in the playoffs in 2017 and became kind of a shell of its former self. So that, that's kind of what I'm upset about. They're 500 now that they've gotten a little better, but, but not a little bit, but they've been mediocre since. And I, I I'm having a hard time figuring out where their hearts went. And, and since you asked that question, since we're having such a good heart to heart brother, I thought I would mention that specifically about my Blackhawks. Cause I don't know they, they need the wizard of Oz to come. The tin man can't find his heart, you know? So I don't know how that happened, why that happened, but it happened. And I don't understand why, but it's very
1: disappointing. It's been crazy, right? You know, when they won in, well, yeah, what was it, 2015? 15. Yeah, when they won in 15, you know, you're kind of like, well, this is going to be really hard to get that fourth cup. But, man, you just wanted to see, as you mentioned, Taves, Keith, um, and Kane all together on the ice, you know, in their 30s, going after yeah. one more cup, you know, with the grizzled playoff beards one more time. And, man, it's been five years, and it just doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon.
0: And that's the thing, Joey, they were in their – Kane and Taves were still in their 20s at the time. You know what I mean? So I feel like you guys – they had a lot of – but I, I I just didn't make sense to me. I, I just wanted to make that point to you, brother, because I couldn't believe how they just – it's. They just got old all of a sudden, you know, and and uh, and people were starting to talk. Here's the the one point I want to make. They were a borderline discussion of a dynasty. And I would have. Are they a dynasty? Three Stanley Cups in six years, whatever, 10, 13, 15. They kind of were. They were bordering on a dynasty. And one more would have solidified that. And now they went from potential dynasty to we don't have any heart. So that's what you know, if you really want to get the nuts and the bolts of the conversation, uh, of what happens at the madhouse on Madison—that's what they—they they lost their heart, and that really bothers me because they went from a dynasty, a borderline dynasty, to heartless. So I don't—I I don't understand it. Please go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I—I'm—I'm I'm kind of scratching my head too as well because if you roll it back six, seven weeks ago. You know, the Blackhawks were in the playoffs. They were four. Yeah, they were in the high 500 and they completely sank like a stone. And Tampa Bay just kicked their ass all season long. And the same for the Chicago Bulls as well. Chicago Bulls were two or three games under 500. They make a trade. They lose Zach Levine to uh, COVID protocols and stuff. And then they sink like a stone, too, as well. Are the Bulls on your radar at all um, after this season? Because the record doesn't look great, but I feel like that they made some sort of competitive progress this year. Am I crazy?
0: No, you're, I, th- I think you're right, but I think that we say that all the time about the Bulls. And really, it's and I'm not trying to say they're still playing with the house's money, but after watching the Last Dance, especially, it is so hard to not to watch, but just understanding and knowing what Michael and Scotty and the professionalism that they showed, and, and then the winning, that the passion for winning, the passion for bringing it every night, and all this load management stuff, and all these questions about the Bulls, about so on and so forth, and just they just haven't been able to get the needle back on the record in a lot of ways. And I feel it was since that 2015 game six loss to Cleveland where nobody showed up or Derek Rose, Joaquin Noah, where they just really, it's like they shouldn't have even been in the building that night. So I I've got kind of a bad taste in my mouth from that. Uh, I just feel as though they need a better, it's, 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 it's a lot of, a lot of, uh, it's kind of a mess. It seems like with the bulls that they just can't, it's like a big plate of pasta. They just can't get it worked out. It seems like with the bulls. So you're right to say that there is optimism because they do have talent, but I feel as though there's some fundamental professional and maybe some front office issues that need to get worked out before they can really clean the slate and go forward.
1: Yeah, when I say progress, it's a couple steps towards walking a full mile before you're back to you're right. competitive and competing for a championship. Yep. Uh, Brigham Avery, let's get you out of here on one more. Let's just get you out of here on a fun one, man. We were talking. Yeah. You know what? It's summer. And you know you're in Las Vegas right now. We live in Southern California, but let me ask you, as a former Chicagoan, if you go back this summer to Chicago, give me one place, one thing, one food, oh, man. something that you're gonna have to do. Can't wait, on my wait, a bit. Yes,
0: I have to go to Subtender. That is in Forest Park. Subtender is on uh, the corner of it's. Uh, oh man, it's on Desplaines Avenue, and um, it's a Desplaines and. Uh, Man, but but it's, it's called Subtender and the food there, I have to get a combo. That's my thing, Joey, the combo, the Italian beef with the Italian sausage laced inside. I have to get that with the bread and the sweet peppers and the gravy. And of course, you can go, you can go classic. I'm going to get a, uh, a cheddar melt from Portillo's inside, the croissant <laughs> cheddar melt from Portillo's, which is on Roosevelt Road right near our Hood and Oak Park close by. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'd be looking at, Subtender and probably some food. And, and, and I love walking by that lakefront. And just our downtown is so gorgeous in the summer and the weather and just everything, man. So the lakefront and the food brother.
1: Yeah. Some deep dish. I got to do it like on a classic beef, even though like every time going to a white Sox game or even the Cubs game, when you go out to Anaheim, you know, you can go to Buena park and go to that Portillo's there, which is really cool. That's right. Uh, which absolutely. is not too bad at all. And no yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. And I think there's a lot of great things coming along. Brigham Avery, man. Thank you so much for hopping on the pod, man. Great to meet you, brother. Can't wait to have you back sometime again soon, but before you go, please plug uh, inside the golden dome, Irish podcast, kind of throw out the Twitter handle, all the good stuff. So the people absolutely listening to the pod can check yes. out. Your pod.
0: You can, you can download inside the golden dome on all the major platforms, Spotify, uh, and uh Apple podcasts, wherever it is. Look up inside the golden dome. Uh, Download us. We've got great interviews with Mike Bray. We have great interviews with Joe Theismann, Chris Sorch, Tim Brown. The list of Irish celebrities is endless, and the content is to die for. So buckle up. Check me out. Brig underscore Avery on Instagram. At Inside the Golden Gnome, also on Instagram. Brigham Avery 1 on Twitter. And I will catch all of you guys later. Joey, it's been a pleasure. You rock. Thank you so kindly for having me, brother. Oh, it's my
1: pleasure, man. Can't wait to have you back soon. And congratulations to you. You got some cool things coming. Yeah, cool
0: stuff. We're we're going to talk more. There's big stuff coming coming this summer. Maybe I'll bring some guests on with me next time and we'll talk all about the great things we got going on, Joey. So thanks for not jinxing. I love you. It's great to be here. Go Chicago sports, eat deep dish and uh, look out for that wind. Have a great day.
1: Be well, brother. Thank you so much, man. man. Thanks, Joey. You got it, dude. This episode of Believe in Betting Chicago is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you head to BetOnline this weekend for NBA playoffs futures. And also, don't forget, you get a 50% welcome bonus off your first deposit. This is Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for tuning into this pod. We got great pods coming the rest of this week, so make sure you guys check it out. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon.